What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Fitted Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And as you fine folks know, Got Fitted Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. And um, actually, it is so hot. It is so hot today. It is so early that we're drinking water. Yes, yes, yes. We dropped the ball on the booze. And um, yes, but we do have amazing news. And the news is we have the falling doves here. Chris Leva. Rock and roll. Thank you very much for being here, sir. The last of the band left in Japan. Really? Everybody all left? Everybody had to go home, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> hey, man, the last is always best, right? <laughs> Supposedly. Mm. Doesn't work that way in those weird movies, though. So. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> That's true. Oh, dude. And uh, this is episode number 470. That's a good number to be on. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Four, 470. Four How many years? 470. Is this 470. 470, yeah. Wow, this is what, 10 years, 15 years of them? Uh, since 2009, the end of 2009. Okay. Yeah, 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 we've been doing it for a while. Yeah, we're number one. Yay, yay. Doesn't mean yay. shit. <laughs> Everybody's got a podcast now. Dude, I remember when I, I, I had the first podcast in Japan that was in English, right? Okay. Probably one of the very first podcasts, right? And I had to tell everybody what a podcast was. I'm like, dude, I have a podcast. It's this great show. It's about Got Fit in Japan, about news and booze and stuff like this. Here's a sticker. And everyone's just like, so what's a podcast? I'm like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, it was for Let's go to that website on that <laughs> and just click. And then you got to download it on your phone. And it was like before. No, it was like during iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, the, the birth of it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. A little before that. Yeah, a little before that. I think my first iPhone, what was that, 2005, 2004? I was late to the game. Yeah. I thought it was a gimmick. I was like, there's yeah. no way this iPhone thing is going to catch on, guys. No way. <laughs> yeah, well, now we all live by them. And oh, gosh, yeah. Everything with them, man. It's, uh, Dude. I, I've stopped taking the laptop on, on the road now because a lot of the stuff that I... More apps and more things. I can get things done on the road. Mm -hmm. There's less junk you have to carry, and mm -hmm. you know less worries when you have to check bags in, or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk to you about being on the road. Cause I mean, you guys have been on the road for years and for ages and stuff. So I want to know all about that. But before we get to that, I want to talk about you, like like your background and how you got into music. Man, it started in in you know I was doing a show actually last night was uh, at the Good Heavens Bar. Uh-huh. And I was able, you know, a lot of people asked me a lot of questions like that, and I was like, well, come to this, because these shows, I'm going to start doing it more in Japan. Seem, they really liked it. And I do a more of a singer-songwriter approach where I tell the stories about how I started, mm -hmm. the, the amazing people that have helped me on my path of creating, mm -hmm. and then I play a song that either A, was inspired, or co-work with it, you know, I... Um, a lot of covers and stuff that I, I do. I don't do covers that I haven't been either A, exposed to the artist directly, mm -hmm. or B, have some history with the song in the aspect of, you know, meeting the songwriter or actually recording that version with the performer. So if you see me doing a cover of like an Oasis track or something, mm -hmm. I have a story, you know, with Noel Gallagher of something there. Wow, if I awesome. do the Burv, I have a story with Richard Ashcraft. But growing up in the 90s, man, I used to write in the back of CDs that have the artist info. So I'd write letters, you know, asking. And, and for some odd reason, they'd always write me back. But I think it's because I came from a different aspect. I think my curiosity, listening to Beatle albums, taught me how to dissect music. Mm -hmm. Listening to Brian Wilson, you know, the Beach Boys. Yeah taught me to approach music differently. So I just remember listening to music with friends and, you know, people would go, did you ever just enjoy the music? You're always just listening to these different things that we didn't even know exist in the songs. Mm -hmm. But my ears were always just different and I could always listen to, you know, I was always curious about where they placed the fucking microphone in this song and this and that. Mm -hmm. And that's odd you know because usually people are like oh that's cool you know i like the beat or i like the lyrics mm -hmm. i was more worried about how good they got that guitar sound yeah where are those drums coming in uh -huh, that, uh -huh. that's what it, what it goes was going on in my head at that early age and this is before composing and writing and songwriting and so i'd write to these artists um in the back of the cds and ask them questions about the microphones mm -hmm. and i think in their head they were tripped out too and they write me back and they you know and and little by little 
you know, I got to meet the guys from Rembrandt's, mm-hmm. the, the the TV show Friends, mm-hmm. and one of the guys wrote me back and invited me out to a session, so I got to see how that stuff worked on the back end. Whoa! And literally like that, you know, just, you know, I remember my college professor would tell me, oh, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to go hang out, you know, if you want to study songwriting, go hang out with the songwriter, and I just remember I was picking up the newspaper and going through it, and he just pulled out a random page, here. This guy, go see this guy. He's playing this concert this week. Go see what he's all about. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into music, just following songwriters and composers and musicians. Kind of like, like you know, in, in the, what was that, uh, Greek period where you have these these dudes that would go and, and, you know, mentor with these, you know, as an apprentice with these craftsmen mm-hmm. to develop a craft. And that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. Apprenticeship. Yeah, with these fucking amazing songwriters and people who we all know now on the radio. Wow. I could sit here and just name drop up back and forth, but I can say the ones that actually helped me, you know, and gave me time of day. That's and awesome. And so that's given me that that thing I want to share with people, you know, always give people time of day. Always give them those that extra minute and a half to talk to them about what they're working on, offer them advice, because there's a lot of other people. I have met also the other side of the coin of people that are a little screwy or rude or think they're cooler than they are mm-hmm. you know and then and i see how mean they can be to some people and i go dude this guy's like <laughs> bought all your albums and you're being mm. horrible with them oh man yeah but, yeah i know the type <laughs> but that's how i got into music basically that's awesome as a fan do you think do you think because it was the 90s and you actually put pen to paper it had more of an effect than if somebody did that today because today i mean Anybody can pick up, you know, their iPhone and just, like, tweet to somebody or, you know, like, send them an Instagram message or something. I mean, shit, that's how I connect with a lot of people, you know. The, the freaky thing about it, <clears throat> I think there's still, today, this day and age, it's still so meaningful when I get a letter from a fan in the mail or when I get a birthday card from a fan, mm-hmm. you know, with really good thoughts and, and just a thank you, thank you cards. Like an actual like physical one? Yeah, it means so much. Yeah, right? It's just in this day and age, anybody, like you said, could just type. And even though that still means something, yeah. it's still cool when you get an email back from mm-hmm. someone you admire you want to work with. I love likes and subscribes. <laughs> but it's still something, I think, there's an art to it, mm-hmm. you know, of putting the hand to the paper. Yeah, right? Because that's the spirit. You know, in Japanese culture, man, you mm-hmm. know, they, they believe in a lot of of that in the art, you know, of energies and, and the soul on, on paper. You're an artist. It's the same thing when I look at your work. You know, you see... There's a lot of work. Well, exactly, but you see the passion behind it, you know. You're missing a lot of different mediums here. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's incredible. Sit there with the art. Thank you, man. Thank you. But, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I I think it is very meaningful when somebody actually puts pen to paper and stuff. Because, I mean, half the time when I'm typing these days, I'll type something to somebody. I'll send, like, an email, right? When I'm writing an email, I'll send, like, half of it, right? Or I'll write half of it, and then I'll go back and I'll rewrite it. And then I'll rewrite it again. I'm like, oh, shit. But when you're writing, like, an actual letter, you got to have everything all thought out. And I think that's, like, maybe, maybe that's an art that a lot of people just kind of, like, lost, you know, because everybody's typing all the time. You know, you don't have to have, like, a, a string of thoughts anymore that are all, like, linked together. Are we going too deep with this? <laughs> no, I think people are getting a kick oh, out of it. Oh, we are? Oh, shit. Dude, the art's getting pissed at me. Yeah, the art's getting pissed. The art god is getting pissed. All right, so that means we got to move on to the next question. <clears throat> I do have questions. Um, let's see here. Okay, let's see here. So... Before the Falling Doves, you played in uh, a lot of different bands. You played in Blizzard, Dead 67, Revolution 89. You know what's weird about this stuff? Um, Blizzard was my first project. It mm-hmm. was the first, I would say, 10 albums I made as mm-hmm. an artist. It shaved me. It shaped me as a songwriter, musician, producer. Um, I, you know, that's where you get all the bugs out. Mm-hmm. All the good behaviors, all the bad behaviors, all the bad habits... All of it ended with that band, but I also took a lot of the learning curves there, which was always like, you know, you saw the sign that you have, Johnny's got the sign over his workspace that says work hard. And so, work harder. Harder. Yeah, work harder. And with this band, was the same, you know, 
the same type of thing. You know, we you remember it was in that same period before a lot of the internet and a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were still making our posters at home, cutting, le you know, le pictures, putting it and gluing it and going to Kinko's. Oh, and dude, I copies. love that. DIY, dude, totally. And that was an art firm. So, I mean, we were doing that this weekend and every week and going at it to put all the shows. But that band, when that band defunct it, because what happens is people grow up. That means that people have kids. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, like the Jungle Book at the end, you know, eventually no one's going to play with, with Baloo anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Baloo's got to keep hanging out in the jungle, you know? And, <laughs> and everybody starts going back to civilization. And, and so some of us stay out in the jungle. Mm -hmm. And out of that band, I didn't want to be in a solo band, you know? I had the solo artist route, so I did the Dead 67s, mm -hmm. which was more of a punk vibe. A three-piece punk vibe and, and that was fun you know I, I still had some of my old catalog new songs I wrote for my solo stuff um, did that then same thing with that um, really sweet guys I play with but they had to grow up and go a different route and they were never my band it was Christopher Leiva and the Dead 67s for that reason mm -hmm. you know my my fantasy was that when I would go on tour they could still back up another singer-songwriter mm -hmm. and they did they you know, it was uh, another dude and the Dead Six Sevens. So that was pretty amazing. After that, um, I was left with a, a friend of mine that was a girl drummer, and I just wanted to simplify stuff. So it was just me and her as a two-piece. Mm -hmm. Right around the same element of the White Stripes and, and the Black Keys era, but more poppy. And we were able to work with the Rembrandts on our record. So oh, versus wow. the other two bands that were like <clears throat> blues, riff-driven... We were riff-driven, but more songwriting pop. Mm -hmm. And so we did that for a while. And I just needed to keep going. And, and, and you know, with, with all of these bands, I've only done the United States, other than the Dead 67s that I took to Finland, uh, England, and Sweden. And Amsterdam, I think, for a tour. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty killer, because that opened up some ideas. But what that did is awoke my brain made me hungry to know that there was so much out there yeah and so then your brain goes wow man you know i've been i could play the same shitty clubs at home or i could play the same shitty clubs everywhere else mm -hmm. you know so it's just literally for me my brain is just expanded to play more pubs and dives all over the planet mm -hmm. so for me it, it really you know the more i come here it just feels like walking across the street in la I'm just going across the street, even though it's really across the fucking planet. Yeah, it's a big street. But it makes everything <laughs> smaller, see? Mm -hmm. So even though I'm all the way out there, I don't think of of Shibuya or Shinjuku or Tokyo as far away. It's just, I'm just going to go up the street, play some shows, I'll be right back. That mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that. Because like when I go on tour, because I, I go to Europe twice a year and I, I paint, right? Yeah. And um, when, I go to, when I go to Europe and stuff, or when I go to the States as well... I always think of sitting in an airplane as like a magic seat. You know, like I'm going to go in this airplane, I'm going to sit in the magic seat, 5, 10, 12 hours later, I'm going to be in a completely different world. Yeah. You know? So it's just always magic seats, right? Magic seat, doors open, boom, different world, right? So it is yeah. kind of like crossing the street, you know? It's just like you sit down, and then you get out of the plane, and then you're in a different world. You're you're crossing the street to a different well, world. Well, well, Does that me, make sense? I'm completely sleep well, deprived. Let me tell you this. I've been, I've been, in, I've been sitting there fucking in, you know, Sometimes the traffic going from one show to the other in L.A. Mm -hmm. Literally, I think I go, fuck, I, go, I would have already been in Tokyo right now. <laughs> Seriously, man. Something... Magic seats, man. Yeah, That's what I'm man. saying. It's all about the magic seats. <clears throat> now the Dead 67s. Uh, now Falling Doves is the new band that I'm in and... And that's been kind of cool. I love the Falling Doves. I've booked you twice here in Japan. And um, you guys have a phenomenal show. You guys always kill it here. You guys have a following here. People love you. The energy that you guys have on, on stage is unbelievable. And you have it not only on the stage. It's just like when you guys walk into the club, there's like, you know, you guys just bring the magic, right? And it's really, really amazing. Because when you guys perform, dude, you get people that weren't dancing to dance, right? Like halfway through your set, dude, I think everybody was dancing. I, I think, did I send you a video of that where like the whole club is dancing? Yeah, that was yeah. cozy. That was awesome, right? And so the thing is, I, I think your performance is just 
out of this world. And um, yeah, yeah. So tell me about the Falling Doves. Like, how did you come up with a name? Were you just like looking out the window and like a dove got hit by a BB gun or oh, something? Oh, no, or? it's similar to that. So after all the playing around that had said, you know, I'd gone to Europe <laughs> a few times. Yeah. And so I think I had done some other bands, but it's just some people just don't. They're warped in the head about what creating music is about, right? Um, they get too <laughs> excited and they get all... I mean, it is part of the lifestyle, but they go too too hard or they turn too hard on the wheel and go too hard into the drugs or into the party. And so then they miss the, the important point or mm-hmm. they become too arrogant, you know? So, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be accessible with people. I don't, I don't like being around fucking just nasty people like that. It's just, there's no room for it, you know? There's... Mm-hmm. Go, go be in another band, you know? That's mm-hmm. not what this is. Yeah. And so for us, you know, even our show, as you notice, uh, as you were saying, we like to involve not just the crowd, but the bands. You know, I think we had somebody from each band that night go up on stage with us on our show. Yeah. We had the bass player from the English band that went up there. Mm-hmm. We had the guitarist from another band from the other night come up there and play. Yeah, you had the drummer Miko, from Meeting singing. Yeah. He came up there. And so those are the moments that we like to create these amazing moments where you're bringing three different people that have never even met each other, mm-hmm. let alone with us and creating, you know, throwing in some covers, creating a, a moment, man, that is unique to that show that can be replicated because we're never going to get these people together to mm-hmm. do something. And with the Fallen Doves, I, was, I think I was in England and I was at a cafe, actually, I remember that in Russell Square, eating my, my cereal and my beans and egg that they do in their English breakfast. Mm-hmm. And this guy goes, at the label, goes, you know, we want to release your next record, but we need a band name, and we're not going to go as Christopher Leva for that, because it'll be hard for us to market, especially if you want us to help you here in England. And I go, all right. So what do you need, like a band name? He's like, yeah. I mean, the better, the sooner the better, so we can release it and, and, and put it online. And I just remember again, you know, I'm reading to this newspaper, literally eating breakfast. I was reading this paper, mm-hmm. You know, I'm just listening to all the bullshit the guy's just going about, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. He's like, and then, you know, you hear back, because it sounds like the cartoons are going, Yeah, Charlie Brown. Yeah, and I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, have you thought of a bad name? I just turned the page in the paper, and there was this article about falling doves all over Italy. Falling doves. <laughs> okay. So the name came to you. It was just in the fucking paper. It's just like the story, you know, you needed something. Mm-hmm. And there there was something there. And that's how that went. It's the same story with the Goo Goo Dolls. I'll tell you that story. You know, they were playing the show and they needed a band name. And the thing they were called the Sex Maggots. And I was talking to Robbie Takak from the Goo Goo Dolls. And he goes, he's like, yeah, dude, like they wouldn't book us because we were called the Sex Maggots. And so literally we just had some toy article we were reading in a paper and said that's the Goo Goo Dolls so we just said Goo Goo Dolls and the promoter just booked it as that and now we've been stuck with that fucking name <laughs> the Goo Goo Dolls is yeah. that how the Beatles came up with Helter Skelter I don't know is no that... I'm joking I'm totally joking Helter Skelter no no know. Charles Manson stole the name that's right that's right <laughs> that would have been a great bit I, though I think that Helter Skelter is like what is it it's a, it's a slide in England is that what it is? Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one. When I get to the top, I turn around and I go for a ride. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, I go, dun, 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 dun. So it's yeah. a ride. It's a ride in a theme park called the Helter Skelter. Wow, that was in a great a, song. In a circus, or you no know, circus? What do you call those fairs? The street fairs that bring the carnival. Carnival. Yeah, it's a carnival ride <laughs> in England. I got a carnival in my head. <laughs> so there you go. I can keep up. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> so that's how the name Fallen Doves came to. That's and awesome. It, it's worked, and it you know it's cool because it's good with marketing. You know, Fallen Doves over Tokyo. Fallen Doves mm. descend them to this. Mm. Hey, cool. Yeah. It works. We, we've been flying all over the planet since. Yeah. That's awesome. So wait, you came up with uh, the, your first album before you had a name. The first album is it called like well, Killer Doves? Or no, what? it's Ready to Go. So the first album was Ready to Go, and Doves at War, right? That's the second album. That's the second one. But uh, to be honest, the Doves of War is the first genuine Falling Doves album because the first one. Remember, it was a solo record. Mm-hmm. So I had f- um, five songs that I had recorded there. Mm-hmm. And so all I did was grab a collection of my old catalog from the Dead 67s, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from Blizzard. <clears throat> songs that I was still playing that you don't want to stop just because you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Grabbed that little batch. And then wrote a few new songs that kind of went 
mm-hmm. the same vein, and went and re-recorded them again, mm-hmm. and put that out for Falling Doves. Yeah. That's oh, that's it. awesome. That's that really was cool. the first album. So and I got to take you know my old baggage with me up, up to the next row. Hey man, if it works, keep it in the set. Exactly. Right? I mean, they're meaningful to me. You know, they're part of my story. Mm-hmm. You know. That's awesome. Do you still play those like acoustic when you're yeah. like, you know, like for yeah. example, last night when you're at, uh, where were you last night? Not what the Dickens you're at. At the Good Heavens the Bar. The Good Heavens Bar. Yeah, it's a great place, actually. I really like that place. I saw Tom Green there. Oh, really? Yeah, he yeah. gets a lot of comedians. Paul Davies says, you know, it, it, a lot can be done in that place, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got such a, a gritty Manchester dive place. The guy's from Manchester, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. He's great really fish cool. and chips, guys. Really great <laughs> fish and chips. Great beers, too. God, I love that place. Whenever I'm in Shimokitazawa, I try to go there. But that's awesome. And your last album was Live in Japan. Did you record that at my event? So, not at that one. So, what ended up happening there is we had done a bunch of uh, recordings. And then one thing you actually had told us, that a lot of the live houses mm-hmm. record music. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. we didn't go over prices. You said kind of cheapish. Now, mind you, we'd never been here. So, we're looking at the pricing. 3,200 yen. In our head, we're thinking it's like 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like know? 30 bucks. Yeah, but in they our just, head They just record time, it. They're like, here, here you go. But we came on a budget. <laughs> I just hit record. <laughs> and we didn't do that, though. And I just remember we had this girl named Yoshino that came to all the shows and recorded all the shows with this really high-end camera. Oh, sweet, yeah. And I went home, and I was really bummed out because those recordings were freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. And we had captured something else. I think before coming up to Japan that year, we had discussed just dissolving the Fallen Doves. Mm -hmm. Just everybody going their own way. Oh, shit. And so, but, you know, let's see if there's something here. Mm -hmm. And we'll see from there. But that was, you know, this was going to be our last tour that that year. Mm -hmm. So we came over here as our last because we had been all over the planet and mm-hmm. a lot of things hadn't worked and mm-hmm. it was our first year on the road and so we did that internationally and we did it and I think we were so turned on by the electricity that was given to us by the Japanese audiences you know because you hear these things that they're going to be quiet and not do anything and that wasn't the case with us it, it, it almost turned into a frenzy slash orgy all the shows where people are just like losing it yeah and I mean they're taking their clothes off and doing these things you're like are you serious I go, these they never do that at my club they're like these <laughs> people are wilder than Germany oh uh, wait you know? that must have been in Osaka Osaka people go nuts yeah 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 but we did Aninok and all these places and we had the videos and then I remembered was watching this Beatles documentary mm-hmm. where the, they, they were re-releasing this Beatles um, album from the Hollywood Bowl Mm-hmm. And George Martin's talking about how they're pulling the audio from the videos mm-hmm. and then use that audio to create, to mix it with the live recordings that they had. Because the live recordings that they had mm-hmm. were so loud from the screaming fans, they couldn't use them. So they <laughs> were awesome. using the audio from the actual camera that was up close. Really? And they mixed some of that and remixed some of that with the old audio and created a live album that sounds fucking killer. So I go, if that theory works, and I'm going to do the same technique. So I grab mm-hmm. the audio. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing it at home, I took it to like a million-dollar studio. Uh, a, um, East West Studios in Los Angeles, one of the most Beach Boys recorded everybody. Mm-hmm. Took it into the same room that they mixed uh, the Pet Sounds album. Wow. Took, took, took it in that console. Took those tracks. And every time the engineer bullshitted and said, oh, this can't be done, I would go, okay. I know... There's so much magic that happened in this room, and I know how it was done. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the beginning of this conversation. So you can't tell me that this can't be done mm-hmm. because it's going to get done. And I remember I go, he's like, well, the, the, the tracks are so thin. I go, really? Okay, then you're going to grab it, and you're going to double it. And then we're going to throw it on there, and we're going to throw it on tape, and then we're going to slap it back into the machine. Then we're going to throw it into the echo chamber. Are they still here? He's like, yeah, they're downstairs. Throw it in the echo chamber, bounce it back into the board. Went in there, re-recorded some backup vocals, one extra guitar here and there, and there's the Live in Japan album. Wow, awesome. Because you capture the live energy. And mm-hmm. a lot of those live albums always have a little extra guitar, mm-hmm. you know, a little extra th- overdubs that they don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how that album was made. Yeah, I like and live sounds, albums. They're but, great. But when you listen to this, dude, it sounds... I, I played it for... Um, oh, famous guitarist. I forgot his name. And he was listening to it. He's like, holy smoke, this is fucking awesome. How mm. many how many hundreds of people were there? Because it sounds like a stadium. Album. Oh, because you doubled it. <laughs> and, and the reverb. 
Yeah. And, and the claps, of course, now sound like extra. <laughs> really? <laughs> when it's only like 100 people, 30, 40 people, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. It's yeah. great. <laughs> but, so yeah, cool. but nonetheless, I think if it wasn't for Japan, I probably would have been doing something else. And this mm -hmm. kind of opened more doors. We went back home again. Mm -hmm. and You know, extra extra hero kudos and oh, yeah. even cooler gigs. And that opened up another planet for us. We call it countries planets, you know, because that's what it is sometimes. Magic seats. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> awesome. Now, you have played, you've played in Norway. You've played in the UK, Brazil, Mexico, Paris, Germany, Iceland, Australia. A lot of really good bands are coming Italy. out of Australia. Italy. Italy. So, I mean, from playing in all these different places, you've got to have some crazy, like, road stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, There's got to be, like, a crazy road Because when I go on tour, every time I go on tour, I almost die. Every single time, I almost die. I almost died in Germany. I almost died in Paris. I almost died in Amsterdam a couple of times. Like, uh, people either want to kill me or I just have bad luck. Well, I guess good luck because I survive. I'm still here. Pinch me. Yep, still here. You know, so I mean, you got to have some amazing stories, and you got to tell us at least one of them. The the scary stories I think on the road is not necessarily it's like missing the train or something. Well, not the hazards of everyday life, but it's the the screwy people you meet along the way that try to just you know, I mean, you're fucking barely surviving on fucking twenty bucks a day on some of these gigs, man. Mm -hmm. And these fucking people want to take that twenty bucks too. It's like. Oh, like getting robbed? I almost got robbed in Amsterdam. It's like promoters, man, and just people out there. They just don't get it. You know, they. it's hard to stay out there. It's hard to survive. It's hard to live in these fucking weird situations, you know? Mm. But we're going to go somewhere fun. I think we were playing in... Amsterdam one's too dirty of a story. We're going to play with... Make it simple. We're playing in Austin. Mm -hmm. And the whole power went out in the stage... And the You're inside a club, it's an indoor club. It was a, a South by Southwest festival. Oh shit! And they had an outdoor stage, and the whole power went out. Mm -hmm. And what had happened is that the city had fined the promoter at the stage for not having the um, right permits. Mm -hmm. So the promoter went and pulled the power instead of getting fined by the city. But we had flown in for the show. Mm -hmm. we're, we're like, dude, you got to pay us. He's like, well, technically, you know, in your contract, if if you don't play, then I don't have to pay you. I go, yeah, but it kind of says you still have to take care of this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, the sponsor that sponsored the stage, that the the guy who was running the stage was really bummed out about mm -hmm. about the band because he was looking forward to seeing this place. And he goes, hey, man, just wait till it leaves. We need to talk. And I oh, thought it was just gonna. Shit. I thought it was gonna be one of these weirdos that was just gonna go like, oh, you know, like I know this guy and he can get your gig type of shit. Or he's gonna break your legs or something. No, no, no. This guy was cool. Oh, he was. Okay. He, he was. He was against the promoter. And he comes over and he goes, "I need you to talk to somebody on the phone. Uh, I'm gonna put him on the phone with you and just. I already told him what's going on, so you don't need to explain. And you just need to name a price, okay? When you get on the phone with him." Hey, what's he talking about, dude? And the promoter, mind you, was already fucking didn't give a fuck about us, you know. That's so. We're all bummed out, you know, because it was a beautiful stage. Lots of people were there. Mm -hmm. And then the guy gets on the phone with me and goes, "Hey, man, you know, we heard what went down there. You explained to me. My guys actually have the people you see their work for me, not for the promoter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty shitty that he didn't do his job. So we're gonna throw a concert for you right now. I'm I'm actually running an event at my mansion." And we weren't expecting entertainment, but he goes, I got a bunch of beautiful models from mm -hmm. all my agencies all over the United States. They're all flying in here because we're doing a shoot for my new magazine that we have coming out. Oh, my God. It was Bill and Gates. No, no, no. It was the Shive. Steve Jobs? The Shive. The Shive.com. You got to check out that website. And um, I go, okay. I go, dude, you just need a PA system. Plug us in. We'll play anywhere. All right, I'm going to send a limo down to pick you up and all your stuff. How many are you? This and this and that. How many people are still there? Oh, about this many. Okay, we'll corral them. So he sent two buses to pick up all the people that were there. Mm -hmm. Took him all over to this mansion. We arrive at this mansion, go up the stairs, and we're greeted by this lady with a clipboard. Mm -hmm. You know, to look like a model as well, mm -hmm. like band and white, you know, like, well, come on in, you know? Wow, nice. And, she, and literally the guy comes downstairs. 
whatever. I forgot the guy's name. Real cool, though. I feel terrible for not knowing the name. But he goes, whatever. Mr. Blah, blah, blah will be with you guys in a second. Then it felt like an episode from uh, Fantasy Island. He comes down with these two beautiful women, arm by arm. Wow. Welcome to my house. Wow. Anything here is yours, okay? And he goes like that, hinting, yeah. Uh-huh. Trophies. <laughs> and then and then and then he goes and this guy comes out with this fucking suitcase full of cocaine. Oh no. Jeez. And he and then he looks at me again and he goes, Anything you want is here. So I go in and they have this little old guy rolling joints. Oh god. But like cigar joints, dude. I've never seen that. Oh god. He had that and you, all this booze. You gotta leave that he's party got, because that party at the at the very end he's gonna be like now you owe me five million dollars, no, no, or, or you yeah. have to kill this guy for me, or dude, something. He or, had a room yeah. for us at the mansion. And oh my god! I have pictures of this stuff. It was the most beautiful. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to owe I've anybody ever, anything. I've ever had, man. Oh, that dude. was incredible, and and we played for all these. It's like it just turned the whole day around. Oh my god! Yeah, dude. that's a crazy day. I'm I'm glad you didn't go to jail. The promoter or tried or... to show up to the party and then let him in. He's like, hey, guys. Yeah, the, oh, the guy geez. told him not to get out of here. Or, or oh, Texans don't fuck around, dude. Yeah, I guess they don't fuck around in Texas. The, Holy smokes. They told the guy to like get out of town. That's what the guy told him. Get really? out of town. Get out of... See, if I see you here again, he's like, you're done. I, people that powerful make me nervous, dude. That's yeah. why the most powerful person I know is my co-host. And that guy's got no power at all. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting a job at Arby's. Hey, that's a good thing. Get, play all the uh, roast beef you can. Uh, I don't know. And that's a joke. I don't know. I think some other kind of restaurant or something. Mm. Oh, man. Okay, so that's the wildest story I've ever heard about well, a band. Uh, I'm glad bad, nobody got hurt or that's anything. That's the G-rated version. That's yeah. the G-rated version? Uh, yeah. It sounds pretty NC-17 to me, but... Okay. Uh, no re- all right, so... Australia. I've I've met so many bands from Australia. There's so many great bands coming out of Australia right now. I don't know why, but Australia has so many killer bands coming out, right? Yep. And a lot of them come to Japan and stuff. When you guys were in Australia, what was the music scene like there? Because whenever I talk to anybody from Australia, they're just so they're just so nice and friendly. They're like, oh, you know, it's not so good. That's you know, it's okay. And I'm like, are you serious? It's not so good because there's a lot of great bands coming out of there. It's got to be absolutely amazing, you know. Yep. I don't know. Well, two things I've observed. So here, you know, the big thing that I didn't even know was, I know I was aloof to it until a little bit more this year when I started traveling more and meeting other bands. Because there's the language barrier, so not everything gets across. Mm -hmm. But I guess you guys have a massive pay-to-play system here. So the bands have to pay all this money to pay these, these live houses. Not my events. My events... Everybody gets paid. Well, no, there's a few peop- good people like Johnny out there that don't. Yeah, but, no, no, no. But, I'm like old school. I don't even charge that much. I only charge 10 bucks for a show. But isn't that terrible? And so mm-hmm. so there's a lot of great talent here also that just either, like you were telling me in this conversation we were having earlier, mm-hmm. they're either hobbyists or they just don't pursue it because of a lot of those obstacles, you know? Mm-hmm. Or they break up. You know, they're all together for two months and that's it. Yeah, that happens a lot. But in Australia, the problem... Over there is um, all the venues are all about covers. Oh. And I'm talking about 90% of the venues. So with us, it's been pretty chill. Um, they've been really kind to us. We've, Because I remember when, when we first arrived there, mm-hmm. some of the bands we were trying to play with, their fucking brains were blown. How did you get that gig? We've been, I mean, we live here and we haven't been able to get that gig. Mm-hmm. And they're paying you? I go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like, okay, can, you know, like, what 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 are you doing a tribute to a band? And I go, no, it's just our stuff. I mean, we'll throw a few Beatle covers, but it's us. Mm-hmm. And so we've been lucky to be able to play all of Australia mm-hmm. doing our original music. And a lot of bands out there don't have that, that, that luxury. They're not able to. You know, we played with a lot of freaking amazing bands that, you know, have a Johnny, you know, cool pubby divey place somewhere, but it's not really a, like on the list of the, you know, it's not hard rock. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, they play their local place, but they don't get out of there. Mm-hmm. But the talent over there is, is probably freaking amazing. A lot of great hard rock, a lot of great metal, but... Mm-hmm class dude and they, but they, a lot of those bands say that they have to you know you really can't break into Australia you really can't what you do you become some big somewhere else or a lot of the bands become big 
You know, like even Midnight Oil, they, they had to leave, mm-hmm. get big to come back there. Midnight Jet, Oil. Same, same thing with Jet, <laughs> you know, they had yeah. to leave to come back. Same thing with, um, you know, ACDC times were a different era. Mm-hmm. I, I hung out with their kid, and he was telling me, you know, his dad used to tell him that, you know, back in that era, though, there was still a lot of, uh, what do you call those type of... Uh, we have them in America. They're like these uh, roadside dives, you know, that the trucker on the trucker routes. So, truck stop. Well, tr- like a truck stop, but truck, like those <laughs> those bars on the road, you know? Yeah. On the main roads mm-hmm. that just are That are in the middle of nowhere, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's how ACD kind of started down there, you mm-hmm. know? And so, they just build up like a fan base. Well, what it was is that was it. You know, those people were out roadhouses. That's what they're called. Ah, yeah, like in the movie. Yep. And there was a bunch Road of roadhouses up and down fucking Australia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people were there to party every Friday night, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that would ACDC survive in Australia now if they got started? I don't know. I don't know unless they were a, a tribute band or a cover <laughs> band, to be honest with you. That's uh, so interesting that you mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. I, what do you think about, like, a lot of bands globally, you know? Because back then, you know, if a band kind of made it, you know, they would get, like, a record deal. Once they got a record deal, then they would get on MTV, and then, boom, they're national or global, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think, like, if Nirvana and Pearl Jam, let's just say, let's just say the 90s never happened. There's no, no Nirvana or any of that shit, but it came out now. Let's just say Kurt Cobain's alive right now, and he just started Nirvana, and Nirvana is in you know, Seattle, just like now and stuff. And there's, like, this whole little grunge scene there. But without, like, the big record labels of then, now it's hard for bands to get exposure, even though it's very easy for bands to get exposure. For example, now you've got YouTube and SoundCloud and MixCloud and all that shit, so it's easy for anybody to get exposure, but do you think they would have been that big now in today's world? I, You know, I think being in that era, mm-hmm. I, you know, being there not as an outsider but as an observer, because... Mm-hmm. I was old enough to go to the shows, but not old enough to really appreciate what was going on. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. 18 when they were out, you know. Mm-hmm. and I think I'm older than you. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think in that, in that time period, what people don't realize is that music of that genre, mm-hmm. grunge, was a movement. And it was a collective of artists. There was a lot of fan signs, you know, those was... Handmade fanzines, yeah, 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 a lot yeah. Of those. Kill your idols, and there maximum was, rock and roll, and there was a lot of promoters that operated on a circuit to support each other, mm-hmm. to bring the bands, you know, mm-hmm. and same thing with radio because they wanted to push, you know, the collective of DJs mm-hmm. promoting that scene. Nowadays, that's not there anymore, man. Mm-hmm. And so, even though there's still promoters like yourself that are out there pushing, creating a scene here, you know. There's not, you know, I think the closest thing to anything I've seen here was the stuff you do with Miho, mm-hmm. where you guys kind of work together and bring each other bands and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and collaborate and, and just push in an underground way. Yeah. That's it, you know, and to be tapped into that, it's magic. I just feel like in in this modern day and age, I don't think that they would fit in. I think it'd be cool in their area, in their hood, but I mean, at some point they just give up because it's hard. They wouldn't be able to make it because right now, I'm not sure if it's oversaturated, have, but it's just like everything's just so accessible that it's hard to find the good stuff. You know, they'd have to have the vision to get the fuck out of there and go further out. Yeah, you know that's what we did. I mean, we're like, well, we can stay here in town or we can go out and see what else is out there, because it's gonna be the same shitty situation, but at least mm. it's a different experience. And here in Japan, you know, mm. I, just, I just remember coming from America over here. I go fuck, you know, because we did all of England and all of Germany and mm-hmm. and some of the Netherlands and some of the Scandinavias and, and a lot of them like covers, so you kind of do half and half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we got here, I remember a promoter goes, she goes, no, 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 you do not do covers here. Like, she, <laughs> we got rode up. It's like, this is not what that you, no, no. I was like, oh. Mm-hmm, <laughs> All of a sudden, half of the fucking planet's been, yay, covers, and we get here, no, oh, oh. You know, Wait, like which a, country was this? Here. Oh, in Japan? Yeah. Because there's a couple places in Japan where you have to do covers. Oh, a lot of the places we got written up for doing covers. Really? Really? Oh, yeah, cool. I got the reports. See, for me, the, how I run my shows is like, you know, me being an artist, 
I don't tell artists what to do. I'm like, listen, I like your music. I like what you're doing. So I'm going to book you and I'm going to give you this time. And you can do whatever you want. Just do your thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no way I've told anybody to do anything. Actually, to be to be honest, I've told one band to turn it down a little bit. That's because it. they had everything on 11. And it was like this wall of sound. You couldn't hear anything, right? And yeah. our club is like the CBGBs of Tokyo, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, small, yeah. it's dirty, but it's old is, and it's stuff. It's not even dirty, though. It's... Dude, this all right, place for, is, all right, for Japan, sorry, it's dirty. But the place is pretty fucking elegant. I've played <laughs> like, dirty. There's okay, nothing for dirty Japan, about for that Tokyo place. Is it dirty. smells nice. It's yeah. well lit. The neighborhood's dirty. The real CBGBs stunk <laughs> like fucking sock balls. Have you ever been to the real CBGBs? Yeah, right before they tore it down, man. Oh, I never, never made, played it. I never went. But it's still there. It's still there. It's I a John Barbados store. No, it's a John Barbados store. Uh-huh. He's been fucking cool because he's maintained... All of it. He took away the piss smell. I'm sure if you put your face against the wall, there's still something in there. Yeah, oh, no, you, you might get it from the he, 80s. He's, <laughs> he took really... I'll send you some some pictures I took in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still there left-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to maintain it. <clears throat> How is L.A. right now? Because I would think L.A. would be like the center of the music world right now just because there's a lot of bands coming out of there. Ah... Uh... Or is it, like, once again, kind of oversaturated because, you know, there's no, that layover from, like, the 80s? It's this weird movement. So a lot of the clubs out there, you get these cool artists, that's the same thing we were talking about, that are just trying to just be cool. Mm-hmm. They're more focused about going out every fucking Thursday night and playing the same show where everybody just shows off. Mm-hmm. That's it. And try to just look cool. And they're just trying to get, like, a track, like, a record deal? I don't know what they're doing. That's not music, though. They're just mm-hmm. fucking... Yeah, they're in the... They're, once again, you're talking about doing the shit for the right reasons and the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, cool, good job. All right, we'll see you later. We're going to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like these... They're into it for the wrong reasons. There's a few people out there that are out working hard every weekend and mm-hmm. creating a scene. And some really just... Even if they wanted to leave to go play other places, they just don't because... They're afraid of leaving their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Of what, like you said, of what's on the other side of the magic seat. Mm-hmm. Magic seat. <laughs> so <laughs> that's gonna be the title of today's show. The magic seat. The magic seats. Yes. But no, man, it's not. You know, there's four scenes over there. There's the fucking Silver Lake scene, with the shoegazing kids with the pedals. There's the old Hollywood rockers on Sunset. And I'm not going to lie, have more fun with those guys. Mm-hmm. They don't fuck with us. We don't fuck with them. They hook mm-hmm. us up with shows. We have fun. We support each other. It's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. grungy, old school. Above so the old school. We support each other. Yeah. And then there's the newer, hip, cool kids. But they're into it for themselves, so there's not a lot of collaborative ever. Because mm-hmm. they're in such competition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we always try to do our own shows, and we book the bands we like, mm-hmm. and we always help people out. That's and awesome. And we've been blessed that when we go there, it took us a while, but, you know, we can we have our friends, we have our gigs, we have our home there. Mm-hmm. And when we are there, there's you know, we're not hungry for a gig. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's nice, you know. They take care of us, the, the community. We're, we're in a weird niche where we get to kind of play with all the different bands, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, I think, miss out because they're so fucking into their own planet. Mm-hmm. We're like, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, we're this people, so we don't play with these people. They, they screw themselves over. I think mm-hmm. the, the only cool things with the labels, even the labels, I can get into that some other time on another show, Mm-hmm. But working with a bunch of labels, I've seen how they manage a lot of the bands and market a lot of bands. I work with Warner Brothers, Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I've seen from the ground up mm-hmm. how they do. And so what I'm doing with the Fallen Doves, mm-hmm. it's no different than what they would be doing with us, other mm-hmm. than with a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. You know, but the poor, the bad thing about these bands, they take them around the planet, and they come home, and they drop them. Mm-hmm. And these poor bands don't even know how to fucking get back out there if they wanted to. You know, for now, let's say I got picked up by a bigger label, they threw me around the planet. Guess what? Now I got their marketing dollars in each country. Mm-hmm. Even if they drop me, I can go right back up because I know Johnny over here and because we sold out, you know, mm-hmm. whatever stadium over here. Next time I know Johnny's show, we'll have to line up the fucking mm-hmm. Shibuya and we'll have to do five nights there. Mm-hmm. You, know? you make me sound bigger than what I am. <laughs> he, th- he, he thinks he's now, but he is. Big deal, no. this man. No, thanks, you. Thank you very much. I wish my art was bigger. Buy a painting. Buy oh, his man. art. Uh, t-shirts. Oh. This is what you got to start getting into. Um, I had t-shirts. It's too hard. Yeah. Well, what happens? I, I made two different designs for t-shirts, right? And I do sell t-shirts in like uh, Redbubble, but 
I had t-shirts and I sold them. I sold a lot like my first two weeks. Yeah. And then after that, I had 200 t-shirts that just sat in boxes. Uh, and then I had a party and I just gave them away and stuff. But what I did was when I gave them away, I cut them all up and stuff. So everybody mm. got like an original original t-shirt that was cut and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Some of those shirts were sexy. Too expensive and how to maintain and keep. And... Oh, well, it's Tokyo, you know. It's just, you know, having a big box full of like, you know, t-shirts. You know, my wife was just like, when are you going to sell this shit? I mean, that's not her real voice, of no, course. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm trying. But yeah, paintings are actually easier than t-shirts. I don't know, maybe I should get another t-shirt. Why not? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's idea. time for an anniversary shirt. You know? Oh, shit. You know, if it's you, gonna be if sexy. you have those God Faded podcast shirts, man. Yeah, we got those. those yeah. Are, you, ha- you sell those? Yeah, we sell those on uh, Redbubble. Okay. We sell, we sell I'm going to buy one often. of those. Yeah, 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 you should, man. They're great. Yeah, and faders. You should, too. There's a lot of you listening. If everybody bought one shirt, I would quit doing the show and I'd retire. So half of you should buy shirts. Um, now, I, you've been all over the planet several times. You've been in many amazing countries. You've had tons of awesome shows. Um, what are some tips, touring tips? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people who are in bands who want to tour, a lot of people who are in bands who are touring that are listening to the show. Um, what are some tips that you could give them to help them? The most important thing is... Um you know, it, there's a fine line with, with, with trying to save money. And there's also a fine line with, like my grandfather, you know, I, I grew up in the mountains of Mexico, so we're very humble people. We, you know, we'd sleep on the floor in a mat, you know, and they're very indigenous culture. And uh, having that mentality anywhere you're at is already luxury mm-hmm. because you're already 50 steps away from that. But yet, you know, the simplest form of living is luxury alone. You mm-hmm. know, I realized later on. But you still have to have dignity. Mm-hmm. Dignity is very important. That means you could still be sleeping on the floor, but it's got to be a clean floor. <laughs> That's what my <laughs> grandpa would say. You know, so, you know, there's good places to stay at. I mean, if you're, depending where you're at on the planet, always try to live, you know, it doesn't have to be the coolest area in town, but the cleanest is good because it's safer. And you can always move around and the stuff. It's a job. So you got to make sure that you're always ready to go to work. It's not a party area. Don't be too worried about where the coolest bars are. Don't try to sleep in areas that have the coolest life, you know, like nightlife. That's not what you're here for. You are here to collaborate with other musicians at the bars and pubs and stuff. But, you know, at your shows and stuff like that. And, and you should still be able to get over, you know, even in London, instead of staying in Camden... I stay in a, in a financial district area. Mm-hmm. But when I go to Camden, I go to work, flyer my shows, and then come back and stay. Um, number two, it's important that everybody in the band pitches in. You know, you're going to get further if everybody's helping out than if you got to carry the weight of some other idiot that's not helping out. Because, you, you know, as a, as a do-it-yourself band, mm-hmm. everybody has to pitch in. But when you do the math, you throw away more money and stupid shit back home, especially in America, you know? People just throw away money there. And so you can consolidate. You don't need 10 guitars at home. Why? Why? Two of those guitars you sell already paid for your ticket to go round trip from here to Australia and play an amazing fucking tour. And then people give you the fucking guitars. Mm-hmm. You know? They give you guitars? Well, now you're endorsed. By, I'm endorsed by everybody. So. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, man. I get like a guitar per year from one company. Oh, that's awesome. I end up either A, auctioning them or selling them or giving them out mm-hmm. to charities and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, we did... I think the other most important thing is don't bring luggage. Don't bring a carry-on. There's a, a, a company out of uh, Japan called Music Area Cases... Oh, China, actually. We started working with them two years ago. And we created this guitar case that's a backpack guitar case. Mm-hmm. So they have these amazing cases that they sell called uh, mono cases that are really cool. But they're not practical because they don't accommodate the everyday lifestyle of a musician. Mm-hmm. So with the plane and traveling, they try to finger you in every country, bringing the guitar on board and everything like that. But if you only have one piece of equipment and it's a softback, no one's going to give it to you. Consolidate your musicianship. Simplify. Use less tools to do the job right. So you're, it's more talent-based versus gimmick-based with you know, pedals, all these pedals to create your sound. You should be able mm-hmm. to create what you need to do with the guitar. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little delay off the up, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Less worried, you know, more, and you become a different band, man. Mm-hmm. You actually become a musician. Well, imagine if you, too, didn't use any pedals. They'd be fucked. 
Yeah, it will keep But on. nowadays, nowadays there's so many modulators that are uh-huh. so pocket field. I've seen bands operate um, a whole pedal board out of mm-hmm. a laptop. Mm-hmm. And they get that cable into the pedals. But even I've toured with one of those bands. Whoa. Remember Matthew Phillips that was supposed to come out? Yeah. He's got a massive rig that he takes on tours. But sometimes those places can't accommodate so many channels from his rig. So he was going to bring a big rig? He tours with a rig, and it's an incredible show. How big is it? Is it like the size of this table? Half the size of the table. Oh, man. So he, But the cool thing about that is he can power anywhere he goes. He just mm-hmm. needs two speakers, and he can do really? his show. But sometimes they don't have the board, you know, or the speakers are crappy. They don't handle so much mm-hmm. stuff going through, so they store it. Mm. But even him, you know, he's had a few tours he did with me, and he, we, you know, we got like five gigs in a row. Mm-hmm. And I go, Matt, I love you. You're my friend. I go, but all the your toys aren't coming on this tour. So if you're coming, it's just you and your guitar, mm-hmm. because you're not going to be able to pay for the flights to get to the different cities. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not, you know, it's not feasible. Yep. Yeah. So geez. he had to just fucking delay pedal, guitar case, let's go. Awesome. And he did all the shows, and I've never heard a better set from him. Cool. Less is more, faders. Yeah. Less is more. So take those tools in there, guys, and just work hard. Don't buy crap. Sell all the shit you have at home. Put it back into the music. And don't worry too much about what you're going to do on the road. You know, just most of uh, the big labels send artists out on tour, and I'm talking like two years with fucking three song EPs, man. Mm-hmm. Three song EPs. That's Most it. Most of the bands spend so much money trying to perfect these albums mm-hmm. that they never even have the money to go on tour because they blew the money on the making of the record. That's crazy. Well, do they, maybe they think that if they have a great record, then, you know, doors are going to open up in the future. But we're not in that planet anymore, though, dude. That planet's over? That, that's, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. I've worked at the labels. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you from both ends. Mm-hmm. They don't do it like that, you know? So now, basically, so you're saying it's better just to book your own events all over the place after you, I mean, after you've done it once and then you kind of get like the lay of the land and stuff, then you can kind of like network. And well, then you, you have more back. leverage. Think mm-hmm. about it. It's like a business <clears throat> negotiation. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have more ground to cover, to negotiate, to barter with, mm-hmm. you're going to get a better deal. Mm-hmm. Number two, get educated. You know, like you said, the one thing about the internet now is, is... A tour was put together with, with Johnny and I through a buddy of ours named Andy. And that connected another dot. So all that stuff connects real easy through the internet now. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you find a good trustworthy person to work. And you are going to get screwed here and there. That's just a reality. But do your homework as much as you can, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just keep going at it. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. All right. And, okay, the Falling Doves is pretty easy to find. You type in Falling Doves in Google. I mean, I mean, you guys are all over the place. Oh, by the way, I like your new video for the, the song Paris. Oh, you saw that one? Yeah, of course. I've seen them all. Yeah, Paris is great, though, where you guys are on stage and stuff. I, for a second, I thought she was a ghost. That's, that's the theme. Yeah, she is a ghost. In the theme, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, I was right. <laughs> She's a very cute ghost. I'll look you up with her. Mm. She's single, Lindsay. Oh, but you're taking it. No, I'm, I'm, dude, I've been married for years. Yeah, well, she's... I've been know, married for so, so long, dude. Like, fucking, people are talking about, like, Tinder and, like, swiping right. I'm like, now, which is better, right or left? I don't even know, man. Me neither, <laughs> I've been man. so far out of the game. The thing about being in this industry, too, is I can't play in those forums. <laughs> Because then, you know, if you do something stupid and somebody go, oh, there he is. No. Put your ass on blast. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you can't do that in public. All right, man. All right, so, all right, go to Google and find these guys. Is there any specific place where you want them to go? We got the new album out, coming out. Um, Right now, we're trying to build up our Instagram following. So, I think Japan, it's very Twitter, Instagram. So, if you can just visit us. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. You can get our up-to-date booklet as is what i call it because our instagram is kind of like our, our road diaries is what mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. we try to put as many uh, you know the people that we meet and and the things that we do while we're out on the road it reminds me i gotta take a picture here with johnny for our instagram oh man jeez you know we, we you know we never have really fucking many pictures with you Look at, there with we mic- go with your microphone and your podcast oh gosh yeah we're so professional here Perfect. That's oh, okay. Instagram post. Yes, <laughs> that's fantastic for radio. All right. So awesome. And what's the title of your new album? So we got two new albums. We got uh, Art of Letting Go and Electric Dove. 
Art of Letting Go is going to be released at the Cavern in Liverpool August 14th. Nice. And followed by Electric Dove, which we're not sure what country we're going to release that in. Why not yes. Japan? Oh, because we, we, we actually <laughs> came here to debut all the material. Mm -hmm. So we were playing a lot of the new songs from the two new albums here. Yeah. No, another thing about Japan, people mm -hmm. still buy CDs. Isn't that cool? Yeah, people buy CDs here. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, for example, if you had merch, if you had, like, CDs... We did the first year, and we fucking... It all ran out. Yeah, so that's the thing. So if you mm -hmm. had CDs and stuff, you guys performed, especially at my events, you know, and if you signed them, people would buy them left and right, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, a lot of people still buy CDs. And even, like, international people living in Japan, like, because everybody else buys CDs, they go back into CDs. Like, oh, yeah, fucking, I'll buy a CD. You know, I've, I've got a small collection of CDs. Although, when I get a CD, I digitalize it. No, well, it's already digital, but I guess I, I make it into MP3. Put it in the machine. So, yeah. I, Puts I, it in the machine. I make a ghost in the machine like the police. And anyway, and then I listen to it on my iPhone and stuff. So I'm going to so. send you for your podcast. I have a song we recorded with Pete Best from the Beatles. I'll send you that. Yeah. And then I'll send... That's not released out on um, on an album yet. I don't mm -hmm. know when that will come out. We have five songs we did with him. Mm-hmm and Beatle covers, but they sound incredible. Mm -hmm. But um, I can you know, do promo stuff with radio for it, um, mm -hmm. as long as I mentioned that he's got a new Beatles museum. August 26th, they're doing a, a big launch party for his new vinyl record that he's got coming out, Pete Best. And So if you're in Liverpool, visit the Beatles Magical Beatles Museum. Four stories of a uh, collection of Beatles memorabilia from... Pete Best's estate and the tour manager of the Beatles, Mr. Neil Aspinall's estate, and uh, curated by Rogue Best, the Beatles' manager. And if you tell him Christopher Leva from the Falling Dove sent you, you get him free. Cool. Cool. You get the hookup. Yep. And a private VIP tour by really? Sam. Remember the guy played bass with us last year? Yep. Or the year before that. That guy. Two years ago, yeah. Liverpool guy. Yeah, so he's working at the museum. So Really? He'll take care of you if you come out there. Nice, nice. You faders, you got an in. You got an Neil in. Neil family. <laughs> we'll hook you up. That's awesome, man. All right, well, let's take a little break, and we'll get back with, well, the moment the news we return, and all the stuff. we'll do the news. We'll do the boring stuff. After uh, after this conversation with you, everything's boring. Even yeah, this no, story. No, no. Turn more into an educational. Uh, we got to be educational. All right, faders. All right, we're going to take a little break and enjoy the commercials, and we'll see you in five. Peace. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right. Over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com That's www.gamuso.com That's right, Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, 
if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks, but if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepa. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your feet on in style. Proper. All right, and we're back. All right, and you got to get out of here soon, so we're only going to do two stories, and I think the stories we really have to do are the two most interesting stories yes, of today. Yes, 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 I've been waiting for this. Okay, cool. All right, so which one? You want to read this one? This one. All right, this one's all you, man. All right, man, there's a Tokyo man arrested for underwater theft after instant raging erection to an oh, attraction to another man. So, now... Tomoyaya Ishii was walking through the train station in Kyoto, Tokyo's Katsushika Ward earlier this month when he spotted an attractive stranger. Given how many people live in Tokyo, that's not such a shocking statistical abnormality. But Ishii's reaction to finding some tasty eye candy was abnormal in that he followed the object of his desire in order to steal the stranger's underwear. This 21-year-old Ishii tailed the target home and once the stranger was inside and taking a bath, Ishii infiltrated the home and snatched no fewer than six articles of clothing, including at least one pair of the victim's underwear. But while this might sound like another case of panty thieving in Japan, the stranger who caught Ishii's eye wasn't a schoolgirl office lady or any other female demographic that's often fetishized in Japan, but another man. Whoa! When I saw him in the station, I immediately thought he was totally hot dude, she told the police after his arrest on July 5th. After stealing the 20-something man's clothes, he said... He remained hidden in his home in hopes of secretly recording his naked body after he got out of the bath. However, Ishii's voyeurism plans went awry when he was discovered by a male housemaid of the victim who subdued the underwear thief and aspiring peeping Tom until the police arrived and took him into custody. During questioning, Ishii told investigators he's just the type of guy I like. I started fantasizing about him and got confused in that, so I stole his underwear. I know a guy named Chuck that does that stuff. You know a guy that breaks into other people's like homes Chuck. and Chuck and he steals Chuck dudes. Schrader in New Chuck Schrader. Chuck Schrader. Oh in wow! In San Diego, California, people, watch out! And he steals dudes' underwear. He loves that. Wait, he loves the thrill of like breaking in and stealing the underwear. He was on he was on tour with us, and then our, our underwear would go missing. Shut up! Yeah, and, and like, would you find I it just later? Remember, well, you know what I thought was happening—that somebody was stealing it at the laundromat. Yeah. Because we we, we have cool underwear, like you know, we have this tiger-shaped one, little hearts. Oh, I go, well, okay, maybe they like these cool ones, you know? Uh-huh. And fucking Chuck had them. How did you find out? Because like, we went to Chuck's house to pick up some stuff. And he had... And all of a sudden, not just mine, he had this other guy named Blaze, Mike, remember Mike? Yeah. He had a bunch of mics underwear there. Oh, dude, wow, that's crazy. Was there, what, did he have them hanging on the wall? No, or? he had them in this drawer. Wait, you went into his underwear drawer? No, he had it open the day that we went in. And I remember him trying to cover his tracks... He goes and he sits on the case. Oh, sorry, dude. I left my underwear out. You're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. But my mom you, writes no. my name on my no, underwear no, you, you and that's mine. You can't go there, man. That's, <laughs> that's already weird, man. Uh, I'm sorry. Let I'm him sorry. keep his treasures. Oh, jeez. You, know? so you didn't want it back? <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I don't. I mean, come, come on, man. That's sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chuck. Holy smokes. That's crazy. Yeah, you, yeah that is pretty sick. Dude. You met Chuck. I met Chuck. Oh, great. Check you know, your, I remember your. when I met Chuck, I was missing my socks. Maybe he's progressing. <laughs> <laughs> Next is going to be gloves. 
Uh, we'll see. <laughs> oh, God. Underwear's bad enough. God. All right. So that's the first story. Okay, here's this, the second and the last story. Faders, I'm sorry. We're only doing two. Man arrested for exposing himself to schoolgirls tells police he's done the same thing about a hundred times. It's like 101 Dalmatians. Um, okay, a 23-year-old man arrested for exposing his lower body to a group of high school girls in Tokyo last month told police Saturday that he has done the same thing about 100 times. According to police, the suspect, Rentardo Hayashi, uh, approached the girls as they walked home at around 7 p.m. on May 31st in Kitaward. He undid his pants, exposed himself to the girls, and then ran away. Sick pervert. Uh, police said Hayashi, who was identified through street surveillance camera footage in the area, told them that he'd exposed himself to about 100 girls since last June, mainly in warmer weather. Because he doesn't want shrinkage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> exposure to the unemployment. Oh, jeez. Um, he was quoted as saying he got a thrill out of seeing the look of surprise on the girls' faces. Oh, God, that's gross. That's, that's so nasty. Rough, so as you walk home, you see a guy in a trench coat. Walk the other way. Walk the other way. Oh, man. It's kind of freaky when you really think about that. You know, and these people always, I always find it funny how they admit to it, you know? That once well, they've already done, but I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> Shut up, man. You know, wait for your attorney to come. No, no, no. I would hate to be his attorney. You're like, what? You, you already admitted to everything? Well, fuck you. Pay me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your attorney and I'm doing nothing now. But uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy, dude. Oh, camera's done. Oh, we ran out of battery. That's which perfect. means, yeah, we're, we bought, it's about time we got to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock and roll. All right, faders. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Chris, thank you very much for being thank here. Thank you for always supporting the local community. Absolutely, absolutely. We speak heaps about you throughout the planet. Man, oh. So we'll keep sending bands out oh, there for great. you. great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good people. Good people. I love good people. And Faders, we do have a Patreon, so definitely sign up for the Patreon and get the keys to the castle. We've got lots of good stuff up there, bonus stuff, stuff too hot for Facebook. Tom's uh, uploading photos left and right of some of his uh, past adventures before he got married. And um, excellent. And Chris, again, thank you. And Faders, buy his CD. Look him up and buy his CD, The Falling Doves. And email us personally, and we'll send you... Uh some release some stuff that's not released that you know we can only send you privately oh really yeah oh I'm, I'm nervous for legal contracts oh I'm so scared write right. to us privately and we'll send you some cool songs that no one has cool you get some awesome merch yeah. alright faders thank you very much we'll catch you next week and peace my little brother a goddamn shit sucking vampire oh you wait till mom finds out buddy I've got a government job to abuse lonely wife to fuck as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure excuse me? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.